You are now listening to a member of the Disney Podcast family. Head over to Disney Podcast family on Instagram to see all the latest posts for this show and links to other great Disney podcasts. There was an idea. The idea was to bring together a group of remarkable people. See if they could become something more. I have an army. We have a Hulk. This is the Marvel Tribe, brought to you by Walt's Apartment Podcast and the Diz Insider. Avengers! Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Marvel Tribe. We are a group of excited and passionate individuals who have come together to share our love of all things Marvel. We are brought to you by Walt's Apartment Podcast and thedizinsider.com. I'm Sam, and today I am joined by our amazing group of Marvel nerds, the Blurred Hulk David and Brianna. How are you guys tonight? Doing good if I can figure out this freezing stuff. So, well, stop doing that because that's not your superpower. Uh, Brianna, how are you? <laughs> I'm great. All right, from the big screen to the small print, feel the pulse in your chest so you know you're alive. One team, one love. It's the Marvel Tribe. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> we got to get the thematic music that comes in, just like <laughs> drops. We can, time. like, I could totally do that. I'm down. We would just have to teach Sean how to do it, but that's fine. Test your little audio engineering skills. I'll take him under my wing. Well, I mean, I could do it. I know I could do it. It's up to Sean, though. So Nice. All right. So we're here to talk about Moon Knight. Yes. Episode one is out. Yes. Overall thoughts so far? All right. So I'm going to say this, uh, because I always do this for all of the shows. I kind of try to pair it it with... uh, uh, previous shows or movies and stuff like we did with uh, Hawkeye and um, it was kind of like uh, Die Hard uh, you know the original Die Hard just that kind of setting well this to me had remnants of uh, Indiana Jones the Sixth Sense and Fight Club so that's where I'm just I'm dropping that that off there so Brianna what were your overall thoughts of the first episode um I thought it was great. It was inst- like instant like intrigue going in and then watching it a second time, you just catch so much more. Like the first time I watched it on a TV uh, with no subtitles and the next time I watched it with headphones and subtitles and I just caught so much more. And I love when I get a show that um where I can keep watching it and find that rewatchability things. is so yeah. important. Um so for me, I Uh, If you haven't listened, David and I actually went on to Disney Universe podcast, their Marvel show, and did um, an introduction to who the Moon Knight character is. So if you want to head on over there, you can listen to that. We'll dive into a little bit here. But if you want like a deeper dive, we did that over there on Disney Universe podcast. But uh, my overall thoughts were super excited for the Egyptian tie-ins. Because I feel like that's something that's currently lacking in the MCU, where in the comics there was a pretty good rep- representation. And I like seeing like that multicultural aspect being added in. Um, and then 
there were so many different plot levels just like layered on top of each other that I can't even Mm -hmm. begin to guess where they're going to go with this series. There's a million places they could go and it can unfurl in a million different ways because of the disassociative identity disorder that I I don't even know where to start. (laughs) It's uh, so let me, let me, let me do this. Cause um, we, during our description, of Moon Knight, um, I'm out too, but come back here. Uh, we were kind of describing some of the, the different personalities and stuff. And one of the t- uh, personalities that we got to see in the trailers and stuff was of uh, Stephen Grant, which it looked like it was kind of the story built around him. And then Mark Spector, who is the original person who is like, that's that's his persona. Stephen Grant is one of his uh, personalities. Now, what they what they do is what they did with Stephen Grant in this was kind of um, so in comic book lore or just superhero lore, when you have secret identities or uh, uh, alias identities and stuff, uh, they either give you you get the Batman treatment or you get I call the the Superman treatment. And what I mean by that is uh, we uh, you have that persona who is like this playboy billionaire, really rich guy and stuff, kind of aloof to society. Like so like Tony Stark or, you know, Bruce Wayne or you get the Superman <laughs> treatment, who is just this mild manner, little dorky kind of work. Farm boy. <laughs> so the kind of mediocre. It's like, you know, Peter Parker and yeah, Peter Parker and Clark Kent. So they went the opposite with Stephen Grant. He was kind of this is where the comparison to Batman was coming from, because Stephen Grant was actually a self-made uh, uh, millionaire, uh, you know, playboy millionaire and stuff. Now he's this um, really kind of, I don't want to say nerdy because I'm, I'm a nerd. Yeah, no, he's nerdy. You can call him a nerd. <laughs> he works in the museum, kind of has a mild manner job, kind of, you know, he's, you know, he's kind of lonely, you know, he's just a, a vegan, not that that's a bad thing, he's just this, this kind of, you know, mild manner guy and stuff, so I, I, I actually like that they switched it up a little bit, so, yeah. David, your Wi-Fi is cutting in and out a lot. Oh, no, shoot. Um... You guys talk. Let me try to figure something out real quick. Okay. So we, yeah. And I, and I did think it was interesting that, you know, it was kind of like the personas were switched. So we get more of Steven than Mark, like we were expecting to get. And then um, David and I had a conversation on Disney universe about whether, you know, the speculation behind whether it really is multiple personalities, whether this was created by, you know, his superhero powers, whether he actually had the superhero powers and that was like fighting for his personality. So there's it, there's still so much that is undecided for me that I am waiting to hear David explain it all to me because... <laughs> But I still don't even know. Like, I don't even know if for sure that they can tell us what direction they're going with this series. Like, do you know for sure which direction they're going? I'm back. So how's that? Am I coming through better and more? Yes. Let's, I'll let you know yes. if you're not. <laughs> okay, cool, cool. So um, actually, so I had a conversation with someone. They actually asked me, um, uh, do we do we look at uh, this Moon Knight character 
uh, similar to the way we look at the Incredible Hulk. And I was like, oh, that's actually kind of interesting when it comes to people's personalities and stuff, because the Hulk and Bruce Banner are completely separate identities that are trapped in one body. So I was like, absolutely. I would look at the Moon Knight character as uh, when Mark Spector as that they have a relationship. Now, Mark also has a relationship with Stephen Grant. So that's another relationship that Mark has. It, it Stephen Grant does not have a relationship with Moon Knight. He actually doesn't even really have a relationship with Conchu, even though you know, and we all hear Conchu through here as it comes through as a voice who really despises this this persona, Stephen Grant. But it really is Mark uh, Specter who has that ability to kind of quote unquote transform into the Hulk. He can transform into moon knight the avatar so i'm loving that i'm glad that i i gotta have that engage in that conversation because it, it helps people make a little bit more sense of the moon knight character and stuff um with the whole did uh stuff that's also going around in there so yeah i think that conversation they had in the bathroom where mark was telling steven yes. like let me take over let me take over was something yes. huge that we needed as fans now there are other there are other identities in the comics. Do you think that we'll be introduced to them as we go on throughout the series? We so we got a little bit. Uh, so we got uh, Mister Knight, who is the guy who's dressed up in the white suit and the, and the mask and stuff, which is weird because that is such a later developed uh, character. Uh, so I'm not sure how that's going to play out and stuff. Um, and you know, we got to see glimpses of Conchu as he was kind of haunting. Uh, Stevens' uh, uh, daymares and you know nightmares and stuff. So but, we hear him, but we don't actually see him, right? Well, so we see we see him twice, actually, uh, actually three times. So he appears behind him when he wakes up in the field, and we'll get to that part uh, for okay. a glimpse. And he appears in the hallway of the apartments uh, when they started doing that oh, rumbling. He was right. having a mental break. Then when he has that sudden wake on the bus. He appears just chilling out in the London streets there for a set for a oh, glimpse. I didn't so we, see that one at all. <laughs> so we, I, I totally forgot about yeah the hallway. I remember the hallway for sure. But so what is your like when we were doing the Disney Universe podcast? Mm-hmm. You talked about how you weren't sure if they were going to go as Kanchu was one of his identities Correct. or if Kanchu actually implanted him as an avatar. Yeah. So I, I do believe uh, Kanchu did give him the power of the Avatar. Now I'll explain yes. why. Because that uh, and people who don't know the history are going to miss this particular point. And I want to I want to I wanna kind of go down the sh- uh, the show kind of uh, segment by segment. And there's a part when we get to the segment when he wakes up on the grass. And I'll explain why I th- I I am confident that he, he was chosen as the avatar versus mm-hmm. just a part of this personality so do we do we want to start like yeah with let's the stick opening? it go so, right ahead so it opens i actually like i love how i love when uh shows kind of open up with just instantly you're in the show before the title screen and everything else <coughs> excuse me Woo. so we see in the beginning we see uh who's it harrow um <coughs> sorry arthur <laughs> Author Harrow, sorry, who uh, he's kind of serves the uh, the crocodile goddess uh, Amit, and we see him. He's sitting at this table, and you see his tattoo of the I, I can't remember the proper name of it, but it's like the scales um, 
skills of just not justice but it, it weighs your life so in the egyptian lore uh you go before anubis i believe and it they put a feather on one side of the scale and then they take your heart and put it on the other and if you did good your you know your good deeds are light as a feather and you can pass and you can go through the fields onto you know your heaven or to your paradise if it fails and your heart weighs heavier than the uh then then the feather then you get eaten and you serve in the underworld and stuff forever. And so, and the, actually it's, it's kind of interesting because it's not exactly the same as the Egyptian lore. Cause the Egyptian lore, the crocodile is, it's like a crocodile slash hippo beast. That's something that eats you. <laughs> so this crocodile in the show is kind of like the God that Arthur Harrow is trying to, uh, serve and prove himself. So one of the cool things, so it opens up on the scene where it shows him he has a tattoo and he's doing something. He lays out this uh, piece of fabric and puts a glass on it and folds it in. He takes his crocodile cane and he smashes it into a bunch of little pieces. Then, and here's the thing that this is the part where you will only get this, these nuggets here at the Marvel tribe. So he takes those shoes, which I'm surprised a lot of people didn't uh, get up on this, but I did because I'm a nerd that way. He took their, their actual crocodile shoes and ask me how I know this. Go ahead. I dare you. How, how do you know this? <laughs> so, well, one, a lot of Googling and a lot of research to how can you tell real co- crocodile shoes from fake, which takes you down a whole different rabbit hole. But the number one re- thing you can uh, tell uh, from real crocodile shoes from regular leather cow high shoes and stuff is that they're extremely shinier than regular leather and stuff. And these are shiny shoes. Uh, if you, I could, I went back a million times and saw it. And I just, I'm like, oh, okay. So this is cool. I learned some other things about. Do you know why how- he put the glass in his shoes? Yes. Yeah, so this is a uh, kind of a testament to prove his worth. This is actually a religious. <laughs> Uh, the thing that a lot of people, especially who are trying to go ahead. I was going to say it's a Greco-Roman and Egyptian culture when mm-hmm. they're trying, to, when they're like um, trying to walk like in the sufferings of disciples Correct. and they're trying to show their devotion to God mm-hmm. is by like doing things like walking on yep. embers and walking on glass. It's showing like mm-hmm. their testament to uh, the disciples and God. So, and one of the things is that a lot of those prophets and stuff were called out for doing this publicly, you know, showing this mm-hmm. out in the public and stuff. Cause your, your devotion should be a quiet self uh, test and stuff. And so what you don't see doesn't is, require recognition. Correct. So he does this on his own. So this shows that he's actually a true believer. He's not trying, he's not a huckster or anything. He is the true believer of Amit and because he does this for himself, not for any other eyes to, to see. So he puts a glass in his in his uh, shoes and he walks and he does, you know, he does his thing, uh, proving his loyalty to his God that he worships. Now, so then it cuts from that and we get the title scene, which, OK, so in the opening credits, we get the typical Marvel title scene. But there are some interesting changes with that. One of those changes is one of our mighty heroes, which Sam might actually appreciate this, is no longer in the title scene. Spider-Man is gone. Bye, Spidey. 
his stuff is not there. I, I'm assuming only because you know it's a Sony thing or whatever. But but he got replaced by two new characters. He got replaced by Shang Chi, and he got replaced by the Eternals, or the group of Eternals. So not two characters. There's like more characters, but. But yeah, that was kind of weird, but it makes sense. You know, Spidey really is a Sony property, even though it's a Marvel character. So yeah, I'm sure we didn't want to pay Sony just to show Spider-Man in the title credits. I'm assuming that's why they did it. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, so that was interesting. Uh, you know, they played the song. Uh, it was a Bob Dylan song. I'm not too familiar with Bob Dylan's songs, but they played that "Every Grain of Sand" is what I had to look it up when uh, Arthur Harrell was doing his little ritual and stuff. So it has something to do with that. I mean, glass obviously gets reduced down to sand and stuff. So that's probably the relationship between the song and that. And then after the opening credits, we get um, Stephen waking up uh in his apartment and stuff and we get the song by Engelbert Humperdinck again not too familiar with this guy but it plays uh the song man without love which is really just about a guy who wakes up lonely every day and see everyday reminders that he's just a lonely poor pathetic soul so it was befitting for Stephen and stuff so he wakes up shackled to his bed and this nice little ring of sand <laughs> around his bed. Um, for me, it gave me very much a sleepwalker vibes, like <laughs> bad sleepwalker vibes, like this guy couldn't control, and he, but he does and stuff, which I actually think was perfect for a person who's experiencing DID. Because if you're very cognizant about the fact that you show up or you're in certain settings that you shouldn't be, and especially while you're asleep because you don't remember it, but you think you're completely. Yeah, I, I totally get why you would jump to the conclusion, especially if you're undiagnosed, that you just sleepwalk. And and so you want to do everything. You, and I'm assuming the the chain, the chaining yourself to the bed and the proof that you're sleepwalking by putting the tape on the door, triple bolt locking, putting the sand around the bed means you're doing some dangerous stuff. So I'm that's where. I see that going. I love the fact that they did that. So it comes to a point to where his DID is also presenting as like an OCD with these ritualistic things that he has to do and like trying yeah. to keep himself awake. Yeah. Like this is not, this is not a man with a healthy mind and Mm-mm. it's hard to watch. It's hard to watch somebody live in that state of paranoia, uh, paranoia, but I like that Marvel is showing it because it is a reality for some people. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So there was some pretty cool symbolism throughout, which we'll we'll see uh, a lot of uh, mirroring. Uh, we saw, you know, th- whether it's uh, through the uh, uh, pools of water or actual mm-hmm. mirrors and stuff like that. Uh, a cool thing is we saw some of the reflections were in threes, which I which absolutely was a representation of the the personalities that. Mm-hmm. Steve, you know, Stephen in quotes for those who can't see me uh, was uh, experiencing the stuff, which I actually love that comparison because the other thing that we saw that was I think is um, was very much uh, tied into his personalities and what he's going through is that Rubik's cube. 
we 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 see that a couple times uh, where he's trying to go to sleep, so he'll do things. Or he's trying to stay awake, so he'll do mm-hmm. things to try to keep his mind uh, focused and stuff, so he doesn't sleep. And solving this Rubik's cube, one of the things I noticed, and and I, I don't know, this might be a stretch, so you know, feel free to laugh at me, Brianna and Sam. But in that Rubik's cube, first of all, it's jumbled up when he's you know trying to solve it and stuff. But you only see which technically you can only ever see is three sides, which for me kind of makes sense. Like there's these three sides of this Rubik's cube, even though there's a, it's a six sided Rubik's cube, you, you, the viewer, anyone, even Mark can only see three sides at any one point in time, which for me represents the three different personalities, personalities. (laughs) the three personalities. So I thought that was kind of a cool bit of symbolism. Again, could be a stretch. I could be just. I like it. I like it. So I do have a question before we dive too far into Easter eggs. So, as far as Easter eggs go, we didn't have any MCU Easter eggs. One. Did we have one? We had one tiny, tiny one, and uh, this is this is part of my rabbit hole stuff. Uh, we actually saw uh, the goddess Bass and uh, depicted in the poster uh, right next to the. I always forget their name. The the, the original uh, nine of the uh, gods and stuff. There's this uh, uh, family timeline of a uh, family tree of all the gods and goddesses mm-hmm. and stuff. And Bast is a little bit way on, on the way down there and stuff. And Bast, for those who don't know, is the Egyptian goddess, uh, the, the panther goddess, who is worshipped by the Wakandans. Mm-hmm. So that mm-hmm. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's that. That was a nice little tucked little Easter egg that was that was in there and stuff. That's the only reference there was. Yeah. So pretty much this stands alone from anything like you could literally have never have consumed anything in the MCU ever and walk in and sit into this and be like, okay, I know what's going on. Well, technically, no, you're not going to know what's going on. I don't know. You got to wait for the on. plot. Yeah, you have to wait for the plot to unfurl. Right. But you can be on this journey with the rest of us without the pre pre required uh, MCU notions. Attached. Absolutely, hundred percent. You don't need to watch any of the MCU movies. You don't need to watch any of the Disney Plus content. You don't need to read any of the comic books. This is a nice little mystery that is being delivered to you as you, we start to unfold things. So I I love that because as as much as they tried to do that with some of the other shows, you still had to have kind of a healthy understanding. And you get that from people who've never seen or watch a lot of MCU movies, but they'll watch the shows and they're like, what, what is that? Like, who, who is that? So you'll hear that even though they try to try to kind of not really disconnect them, but make them kind of stand alone, kind of little, it's just a, it's a hard thing to do. I think they're doing a really good job with this because this absolutely could just be a regular, really cool uh show on tv and stuff that has no Mm -hmm. ties you wouldn't even know it was really mcu um if you know if they didn't advertise that and stuff so i thought it was kind of i thought that part but but there are things from the mcu that are going to be developing from this Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like like, for example, David, there was an Easter egg you saw when he was rushing for his bus that I somehow missed. Oh, yeah. So Stephen, <laughs> Mr. Malmanner, he works in the museum. And as he was leaving his apartment, you know, getting ready for the day, which I love the fact that, you know, there, there's the broom guy who took up residency right on this porch to sell his brooms. And Steve, in his very 
how you how you non-threatening way <laughs> to uh you know acknowledge it but doesn't do anything he's very passive aggressive that way and so he realized he's late for work so he's running after the double decker bus and right behind the double decker bus there's this big old building that says Atlantis on it right there and then the double decker bus goes right by and then, I don't know how I missed it it's right there, there isn't I, ju- I did just look back at it because after you told me about mm-hmm. it, mm-hmm. there is a giant tree in front of it, and you can see it peeking through the tree. Mm-hmm. But I don't know how I missed that because I was looking for that. For those of you who don't know why that excites me, you must not be a Marvel Tribe fan because Atlantis is where name where the Submariner comes from, and and SpongeBob. SpongeBob comes from Bikini Bottom, sir. Bikini Bottom. <laughs> That, Anyways, Bikini Atlantis. Bottom, you know, Bikini Bottom is the bottom drawer of Namor's dresser, so that's where that all that takes place. He's that's got a sponge his, in there. Is SpongeBob the sponge he washes bikini. himself with? Yes, this is underwear drawers where all Namor's bikinis are. So hmm. he does need those. He does need those. <laughs> they wouldn't let him come into the MCU without him. Sorry. <laughs> but yes, yes, uh, I call that an Easter egg because it does reference. Uh, something it's that we've been crumb. waiting for. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know it, it was. It's actually a bigger breadcrumb than uh, the. Uh, so we, I think, the first Atlantis breadcrumb we got was when uh, uh, who was it? It was uh, Nick Fury. He was looking on his big old digital map of Iron uh, Man things too. that yeah things we need to pay attention to. And you mm-hmm. see, there's a dot in the middle of the ocean where there's no land. It's like why is there a dot in the middle? Well, that's theoretically where Atlantis should be right off the coast of Africa. So we did that get was another first, one. Yeah, so that was the first okay. Easter egg. This was on the nose. So, But yeah. uh, the, the underground earthquakes in Endgame? Yes, we did. Yes. That was and, another breadcrumb bread yeah. for uh, Namor. Oh yeah, and then you know they, you know the uh, God, why am I failing at her name? Um, the oh, She's ahead of the Dora Milaje. Uh, she shut that down pretty quick. Says, you know, we don't need to worry about that. You know, so. Okoye is that uh, her name? Uh, yeah, Okoye. 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 Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, Okoye. You're welcome. Yeah, she shut that down pretty quick. So yeah, no, don't pay attention to the earthquakes under under the land or under the water. It's fine. All right. So now we are at the museum, and yes. we do <laughs> see a Moon Knight comic character introduced, besides Stephen mm-hmm. and Donna, who. I find to be absolutely hysterical in the most snarky, awful way possible. She's annoying as hell. She's just snarky. She's got an attitude problem. She does not like Stephen whatsoever. But I from the comics, she would be Donna Craft. I think she secretly loves Stephen. That's. I just, think so too. She, that's where she'd, that be, is. she'd be hecka jelly. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how that is and stuff. So she's going to torment him until he breaks, and then she's going to have his her way with him so I, I, this is part of the game plan long 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 strategy so in the comics donna is mark specter's publicist um whereas now she's not necessarily in mark's personal life she's in stevens as his boss but uh that's just a little bit of a nod to the comics yeah they just they did a few switching uh, uh characters and stuff in there um, so yeah, so he goes, he goes in the, 
of work and you, you see he knows a lot about uh egyptology uh he's you know he's talking to a little girl who is using one of the ancient pyramids as a uh trash bin that stick her gum or something in and so that's where he's talking to her i think so this is i'm not sure if this little girl has a bigger role in this or not but there's there are some weird context about the conversation they had because he was explaining to her about what happens when you know after they you know pull your organs out through your nostrils and stuff but they leave the heart because the heart has to be weighed and stuff before you can pass through the fields of the great grass fields onto you know paradise and she straight up looked at him and says so you know um if you weren't worthy you won't pass so is that why you didn't pass through the green fields and stuff and it just kind of and he kind of questioned reality for a second it's like well that's a weird question because i'm not dead and then he goes am i and then it moves on from there so i i don't think they do anything without just just for the spirit of having a conversation (laughs) so that's got me kind of my radar up because i don't know how to how to make that one out so what else you got david or brianna you got and this yeah when I kind of, especially when I rewatched the scene where he's back into the museum, I started questioning, is he missing even more time than like we've guessed? Like everyone's calling him Stevie. And at first I thought it was like a disrespect thing, like and no one respected him. But now I'm like, is Mark going into his job and calling him Stevie? <laughs> and like, because everyone's calling him Stevie, mm-hmm. he doesn't know about this date. <laughs> Nope. Oh, like yeah. there's so many little gaps that they're like he just looks like he's missing in his job. Mm-hmm. So I'm assu- like I don't know. I'm taking it as I mean, obviously we're learning now that this museum's definitely part of the plot and things are happening. Like is Mark watching over the museum and Stevie Stevie Steven is losing a lot of time. Yeah, and they do tell us that they do tell us later that you know, obviously, when he misses his date, realizes it's not Friday right. and it's Sunday, right? And that like, he is missing time, those huge but there's gaps. Just, yeah. Like mm-hmm. there was like I'm like we're missing even more time yeah, than what is sure. being showed. Like, oh, yeah. For sure, and I, and I love how how <laughs> Steven's handling it like it's no big deal. Like when the uh, his boss um, or when the girl was like like hey, so we're we're in for Friday for steak and stuff, and he's a like, uh, what yeah. Uh, <laughs> and at this are, point, he doesn't realize yeah. that he has dissociative identity disorder. He yeah. doesn't realize he has multiple personalities. <laughs> he just thinks he's some guy who sleepwalks and has no idea what's going on <laughs> in life. So yeah, and he's like, you know, you asking me out and stuff, and then she, and she laughs and it's like, see you Friday, and he's like, yeah, sure, and then his boss comes over, it's like, wait, you're taking her out for steak? You're a vegan? <laughs> he's like, what does a vegan eat at a steak restaurant? Well, you know, he's like bread, salad, salad, you know, none of your business. <laughs> and then he eventually orders a freaking steak and a has steak. no idea how to order a steak. Oh, I love that oh, scene. I was dying because they were like, he's like, good. And then they're like, well done. And I'm like, oh yeah. my. Oh, don't do That's that. A That's sin just, at steak. Yeah. He's like, I want your fanciest bit of steak you got. And I was the, like, yeah, the fanciest bit, the best bit. I want the best the bit. bit. The best um, part. um, Okay. Oh, I love that. I love that. So so here's the thing that I have not heard anyone actually talked about. And I don't know if this is a spoiler spoiler or not. So but I'm going to say because um, before the date is before the date, when he goes back to his uh, apartment and he's going to he's going to bed, he's doing his rituals, how to stay awake, doing research on Egypt stuff, um, feeding his one fin of fish, Gus. 
I believe is it Gus? Yeah, I think Gus is the fish. Gus has sounds only, right. Yeah. yeah, one fin that swims in circles and stuff. Um, and he and he's doing the whole little Rubik's cube toss and stuff like that. And then he wakes up in the middle of a field. This part, this is a part I think a lot of people missed. So he wakes up in the middle of the field. He has a broken jaw. He's obviously like a broken human being and stuff. He's in pain, excruciating pain. You can see the pain and anguish on his face. And you see his jaw starts to kind of reheal itself. Anyone had a broken jaw, myself included, oh, knows your jaw does not heal in a matter of seconds and stuff here. And he gets up and he's like, you know, disheveled and he's slowly kind of recomposing himself and he's looking around and he's like in a whole other country and he turns around. There's this big castle looking building and he sees this guy staring at him and he kind of waves at this stranger. And I say stranger in quotes because I believe and this is what I'm going to put out there. I don't I'm pretty sure this is uh, true. So I'm going to I'm going to say spoiler. Ignore me for the next minute if you don't want to hear this. But <laughs> Mark was the one obviously who went to on this trip. He had a mission to go get that uh that artifact. And somehow that artifact was in the castle there. He somehow got in a fight with these goons and either got shot, thrown through the window and died or jumped through the window cuz he was trying to escape and died. And we all know, well, we not all of us know, Conchu will not let Mark die because he needs to serve as his uh, avatar. So he has a history in the comic books of bring, resurrecting Mark. I think Mark jumped through that window or got shot through that window, fell to his death, broken jaw, broken bones, everything, and died. And Conchu's like, no, and brought Mark back to life. And we didn't get, and Conchu did not get Mark. He got the dweeb. <laughs> Steven, why? And this is where we first hear Conchu. He's like, "Oh, no, you gotta be kidding me!" We get you, you, you wake. You're the one that wakes up. Bring so, back Mark. Bring back Mark. <laughs> yes, yes. So I think Conchu saved, he resurrected uh, a dead Mark Specter, and we only saw the tail end of that. We saw him being brought back to life, broken jaw, all this stuff starts to heal and stuff and there's a hole in his jacket that looks like gunshot so i think he might have gotten shot too so but yeah i don't i didn't hear anyone kind of talking about that or speculating that but all right spoiler is over but i think that's exactly what happened so can we re rewind just a smidge um, absolutely i again i i've decided that i'm now going to see mark everywhere <laughs> When it when he's with the Rubik's cube, when Steven's with the Rubik's cubes, is that jump cut to the books, Mark, or is that Steven still looking at the books? That, I believe that. I, I think that's Steven looking at the books and stuff. Because I was yeah. like, it was just kind of weird, and I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> and then, like, when I saw that there was stuff highlighted in the books, that's kind of where I started <laughs> questioning it. But oh, absolutely. So I have kind of like a weird thing that. Is a Marvel specific thing. So when we think of the Asgardians and we think of the other um, like Thor and Odin and Loki and all of them, we are introduced to them as basically aliens. Like they were gods that were brought to Earth and, you know, they're aliens now. Like they are worshipped now because of their interactions with Earth. Mm -hmm. We hadn't seen that yet. In this, we saw them as we saw the introductions as traditional deities. Mm -hmm. But 
I think they've already kind of like layered it up for us by talking about the Ennead the most in the show because the Ennead in Marvel Comics is adapted to be celestial beings from Heliopolis. Is that it? Heliopolis? Glad you have to say I don't know the proper ter- the um, phrase for that, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's Heliopolis. So they are the same way as Asgardians, where it's like they are celestial beings that come to Earth and become worshipped because of their interactions with those on Earth like the Asgardians were. Um, I just thought it was interesting that so far, though, they have just introduced the Ennead mostly, but they are still introducing the gods and goddesses, whatever, to us as traditional deities. Correct. But I think that it's coming where it's like the Ennead is going to take over and they're going to be aliens. Cause that's the thing that Marvel does. Well, yeah, I, I agree. I think we're actually going to see more avatars um, representing <laughs> these different gods People? and goddesses and stuff. Yes. So, you know, uh, yeah, so I'm 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 super excited. One of the other things, you know, uh, when you were talking about uh it was a Mark or Stephen reading those books and stuff like that. Another little piece is um when when Stephen wakes up as Stephen again, and this is going back to the Rubik's cube. You always see the Rubik's cube solved. It's solved on on the back of his bedside. So if you if you ever see any of the scenes, there's two scenes where he wakes up in his own bed. Um, both times the Rubik's cubes is solved, and but when he's trying to stay awake, they're completely in chaos. You know, they're not they're not solved. So I thought that I think Mark is after he goes on whatever missions or whatever he does, he solves that Rubik's cube. <laughs> he's trying to put as much normalcy back into Stephen's life as he possibly can and stuff because uh, he needs Stephen. You know, he needs Mister. I work in the e- Egyptian Museum and stuff for a particular reason. So. So the street performer, the street performer, the living statue guy, the gold guy. Oh, yes. Yes. Did you notice what he oh. called him? Uh, yes. Uh, hold he on, called him on. Crawley. Crawley. Yes. So Crawley is a real character from the book. Uh, Crawley is kind of like this. He plays this undercover aristocrat. Kind of like a homeless guy who gives information. Character. Yeah. He's like but a pigeon. Just like Donna. He's one of Mark's people. But right now, Donna and Crawley are just friends. Are Stevens people acquaintances of of Steven? Steven. Yeah, yep. I think it's interesting the way they've spun that. So, what do you guys think about uh, Mom? Because we see him talk to Mom, or at least the voicemail twice. I was going to say he never talks to Mom. Yeah, yeah, he, he's on. He's on. He's either gets Mom. Mom must be the busiest woman on the planet because. <laughs> He always gets her voicemail, and I don't know about you, but most moms have time for their son. So, especially in the world of cell phones, so you, she's. I'm thinking, mom's mom is obviously not mom. Um, I think mom might be just Mark, um, because Mark. So here's the thing. This is my my speculation with this. Um, mom sent him a postcard he got it you know and he was reading a pop postcard and it's just so funny that the postcard was an egyptian postcard like from a, a gift shop and you look where he works he works in the gift shop so i think you know mark sends these to again trying to uh sustain the stevens personality and stuff you know 
you know, as much as he can, introduce that normalcy in his life so he doesn't. I don't know why, but he doesn't want. He wants to maintain this cover for Steven. So I think Mark sends him like a caring guy. He does. So speaking of phone calls, the phone call with Layla. Yes. Who's not a character in any of the the past uh, books? The name was not. The lame Layla is not. Mm -hmm. But I feel like there's a connection to Marlene who is the archaeologist that he sacrificed basically himself for. He, and that's how he ended up ending up where Kantu was able to choose him as an avatar. Yep. So I, I am wondering if the last time he saw Marlene is when he was trying to rescue her in the fields and Kantu downloaded him as his avatar. Yeah, I, I agree. I think and that's why she a- hasn't heard from him in a couple of months. She's a retcon uh, character and stuff. I agree. I think she, this name is is the love interest of Mark Spector and stuff. So, and then we saw, and I can't remember the other uh, guy, but he's also friends and uh, Mark when they were mercenary days. He, there's one missed call from him as well. And I'm sorry, I try to find it in my notes, but I cannot find it, the name I and stuff, but it's on the caller. on the caller. Yeah, thank you. You shan't. Yes, so that is the guy who helps make weapons and do all kinds of things to help Mark with his persona and stuff. So Duchamp is a very trusted uh, colleague of Mark Spector's. Um, so yeah, so I thought that was cool, cool little Easter egg as well that was in there. It's interesting and- how they've decided who is going to be a Stephen connection and who's going to be a Mark connection. Mm-hmm. Like I don't. I, it's just so there's so many plot twists that can unfurl, and I just want to see what happens. And like, you, I just and, want more. And you, <laughs> you notice we'll when get those connections with Mark. Oh, what? sorry. Do you think no, no. we'll get episodes with Mark as like the point of view we're watching? Oh man, I hope so. I, I think, sure hope so. I think they <laughs> should go back the, and forth. <laughs> this would be, be cool. the greatest thing in in, in TV uh, for me in TV history is to to play out. It's kind of like memento and stuff. Like you play one version of what one person is experiencing, and then you play the other version of what, and you kind of get to piece those get together. The answers, and stuff. And, yeah. Oh my God, I would love. I would love to see. To be either proven right or wrong that Mark was killed and thrown out the window, <laughs> and, and and how he got there and stuff, and how he woke up on the bus from the ele- uh, elevator, you know, when Conchu was you know chasing him down the hallway. Like I would love to see the opposite sides of that. So I would love to see how a gift shop employee at a museum can afford an expensive London apartment. How you know? That looks like a pretty dumpy apartment, though. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Apartments in London. Are they? They're pretty spendy. Mm-hmm. They're pretty spendy. And my thought is, like, is Mark funding his living arrangements? And Stephen is, like, clueless as to who pays his rent? God, could be. <laughs> could be. I was like, yeah. also, I feel like it's just a trope in TV shows that they always. It is. They can't oh, afford. Yeah. It is, but also like, <laughs> there's a lot of foreshadowing too, in the outward flashes to the moon. What he's wearing to bed, he always wears white in bed. Um, his conversations with himself in the mirror. There is like a lot of foreshadowing too. Mm-hmm his superhero powers too. There's just, there's so much to digest in this show. Mm -hmm. And it's so weird than the other shows that we've done. It's much weirder because 
like those shows we could tie MCU connections into. And mm-hmm. this is just like, it's full. It's either a brand new experience or you have some background from the comics. Oh, yeah. And even when it's a brand new experience, if you didn't have background, it's a whirlwind trying to keep up, but it's worth it to try and keep up because the plot is just going to keep unfurling more and more. And I expect nothing less than mind blowing reactions. No, I, I yeah, absolutely. I, I like I said, I'm I'm here for it. This is going to be a really cool little roller coaster ride and stuff. Um, and they do do uh, do a pretty good job with the details and um in this like like in the in the scene. So back to the 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 field, the little the town that they're in, which I I didn't pick that up. But uh, he's running away from the goons that are shooting at him, and he, you know, he flips his hood over to blend in with the locals, and so it's a really nice white Assassin Creed looking hood and stuff um, to kind of blend in. And you see um, Arthur Harrow, which really uh, uh, bring home the point that this guy's a cult leader as he's walking through town, and everyone's trying to touch him and kiss his hand, and you know, like this guy is like the you know he he runs this town and stuff of and he has all these uh cult follower true believers i mean i could swear i saw someone with a maga sign hold, hold it never mind that's that's a bad <laughs> joke um but yeah so he's so he goes in front of town square and stuff and and he you know and all everyone kind of gathers around him and stuff and this is the part which i, I really like because it kind of shows um you know who is going to be the antagonist here and he asked for a volunteer and, you know, we're not sure what's going on and stuff. And so a guy, you know, steps up and volunteers and he takes his, uh, crocodile, uh, cane and holds it over the guy's hands. He grabs his hands and his, his tattoo starts to move and it's the scales. And I gotta remember the proper name because I don't want to butcher it. It's, it's, it's real Egyptian lore, but the scales of, I'm gonna call it scales of justice starts to weigh back and forth and stuff. And, and what they're, what, what the lore is that it's weighing the person's deeds that he did good deeds or bad deeds. And the thing is with the lore and Marvel with the net, is it scales of justice? Mm -hmm. So in the, in the Marvel lore, um, the goddess admit what uh, this person does, he knows that she knows all the stuff you've done in your past, but also all the things you've done in your future. And so she, kind of became and they mentioned it the this modern day uh Egyptian boogeyman she was the first boogeyman because she would take people who haven't done things yet because she was tired of just waiting around for someone to do something bad that she know was know that what's going to happen anyway so she became kind of this bad uh goddess you know that wasn't so much revered more feared and so I don't know um so it judged this first guy as you know, the tattoo turned green, uh, which means he can live or he he satisfies these scales. And then the old lady, uh, she came up next and it just her bad. It turned red. And and then you see her life gets sucked out of her while the um, while Harold was holding her arms and stuff. So go ahead. I'm because, sorry. Yeah, she so she says she she's like, but I've been good. Yeah. Yep. So meaning that he is allowing the scales to judge her based off, based off of what she might do in the future. Mm-hmm. So when he's explaining the scales and like the whole future thing to him in the museum, I think it's bunk. But you know how he's talking about like you could have stopped Hitler, you could have stopped mm-hmm. all of this. 
You notice who he didn't include? Could have been stopped. Somebody stopped. from the Marvel Universe, the MCU. Could have stopped Thanos or somebody or anybody. Mm-hmm. I know, obviously, they're trying to keep it authentic, but I was like, come yeah. on. If you could do that, why couldn't you stop Thanos? I, I, I love the Avatar. Do you know clip. when this takes place in the timeline? We do not because they are not, clones, it's so not in the they're timeline. Really there, they're so not. They're not I giving us any. This was any reference pieces and stuff. Like I <laughs> was, was hoping we get. I was hoping we get like a reference piece since it's in London. Like maybe something from like the Eternals and stuff. <laughs> um, because you know it, there's some settings that take place there, but we get nothing right now. So. Well, you know it has to be after Avatar comes out. Yes, that's true. The, so blue, the blue people and the anime. Yeah, <laughs> and I love that joke. <laughs> the Last Airbender. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So nice little shout out to Avatar, which is owned by Disney as well, and then the air. I don't think the anime is owned by Disney. So no. But yeah, so I think it's bunk the way that he he's describing how um, Annette uh, Amet sorry is judging people. I think uh, Amet is looking for followers who would do her bidding or the bidding of the Avatar of Arthur Harrow, and don't want good people in her ranks who would question. So she kills the, like the, I think the lady really was good. And she lived a good life. And I, I think she only had a few more years left. And she wasn't, I mean, she wasn't planning on robbing a bank or, you know, kill people and stuff. So because of that, she was found to be worthless. I, that's that's just my little theory. I think the scales aren't being used the way they're intended to be used. So, Like Amit is trying to build an army? Yes. Yes. A following mm-hmm. uh, to worship Amit and everyone. And yeah. So I think that's what's happening. Um, so because I, I think that one, the first two, he like he was kind of he gave me some kind of creepy, you know. You see him at school parks so kind of vibe. So I, I wasn't so really feeling him. So, so in fact, I'm pretty sure if you looked at the, I didn't even look at the end credits. I wanted to see how they described that guy. If they would say creepy guy, then I, the nail would be on the head. But they, I, I didn't look. I didn't check. So, all right. What else you got? Okay, so let's go back to um, so yeah, so uh, the the driving scene where he's escaping because obviously uh, his first time he he the has a waking moment. Yeah, they try to take the the artifact out of his hand, and he visibly you know eyes roll back in his head, and he you know the whole vibration, which I love. Uh, he has a flash snap, I guess, and. Um, we don't see what happened, and then we get Steven back, and he has a bloody hand holding the artifact, and then all the guys around him are dead. Like, and he's like freaked out, like visibly freaked out mode. Like, I mean, I would one be of you guys would be, yeah. He's like, I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know what happened. Like, this is this is new. I'm I'm in this with you guys. I don't know what happened. So he's trying to get away, and he ends up still in a cupcake van. And we get a wham, wake me up before you go go, which I thought was hilarious. Um, as as the chasing was pursuing, as those guys were chasing them down this long mountain uh, road, windy road and stuff. And this is not a um, I don't know about you guys, but this is not an Easter egg or a nod. But I very much got Final Destination vibes with the log truck. I just I think anyone wow. over the age of twenty five. 
understands about log trucks, how you just don't want to be near them because of Final Destination. Scared, they scared us like Jaws scared us from going into the sea. So, yeah, I got that vibe. I'm like, oh, my God, there's a log truck. And here comes the accident. So, yeah, so they, he's switching and he's he's going in and out like the guys are jumping on the truck and and he's hitting them with cupcakes because that's how Steve fights. Apparently, next thing you know, he passes out and wakes up with a gun in his hand and a hole shot through the windshield and the guy dead sitting in the back and he falls out and gets ran over, which I was like, oh, man. This is on Disney Plus. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah. So, we're having these in and out flashback scenes and stuff. And, and the final one was where the guys kind of finally um, overcome the cupcake van, pulls out, get out, get out of the car, has the guns drawn ready to shoot Steven. And then here comes the logs to take them out. And then Steve looks up the hill and here comes the logs to take him out. Again, part the second time I think Steven dies. I'm just saying. Oh. And then he wakes up in his bed, um, and, you know, and he wakes up with a smile on his face like, oh, my God, this was a dream. <laughs> like this. This is not none of this happened. This was a dream. It was, whew, all right. So. So, yeah, that, that's the kind of part where we're at now I'm trying to remember where what happens next. So after he wakes up, I think realized, he's just kind of chilling in his apartment until he realizes his fish has two fins. That's right. Thank you. <laughs> yes. So the fish has two two fins. Freaks him the heck out. He takes the fish. He takes Gus back to the fish store, and they have a kind of a, a, a weird. <laughs> I, yes. Uh, that was a good pick, a pickup. I didn't actually know that. I didn't. I didn't know that. Oh my god. Uh, so yeah, take him back to the fish store and has a little nice little uh, chat with the uh, pet store owner, and the pet store owner is like. You picked the fish yesterday. You know, it, it's it, if you want to trade them out, you want to disable fish. That's fine. Take it, take them and stuff. And he's like, you know, yesterday I was in here, you know, Thursday or Wednesday or whatever and stuff. <laughs> um, so he's kind of giving us uh, some revelations that he's he's lost time. He lost some time and stuff. <laughs> um, the the store clerk, pet store lady, is like, "You're crazy. Get out of my store, please." With your really healthy two two uh, fin fish, and so he ends up leaving. Um, I think is that the moment he realized he's late for his date. Yeah, and, he realizes it's evening instead yeah. of morning. Yeah, so he realizes the time; it's the evening. So he's changing. He, you know, he's back in his apartment. He's changing for his date. You know, wearing his cool guy stuff, <laughs> and, and, and so to speak, and stuff. Uh, goes to the restaurant and he's just sitting there waiting. And we, you know, we we kind of come into the scene where he's waiting for his date to show up. Doesn't show up, so he's like, "I'm just gonna ring her up." So he rings her up to, and he gets a very hostile, not hostile, very dismissive <laughs> uh, uh, date on the other end, saying, "Oh, you finally decided to call me. Okay, all right." So he's like, "Well, I'm, you know, he's like, I'm here for our steak date, you know." And he's like, "Oh, well, good for you. I ate my steak <laughs> already." And stuff. Alone two days yeah, ago. Alone two yeah. days ago. <laughs> It's like, what do you mean? We had a date for, yeah, Friday. It's like, yeah, tonight. Like, no, today is Sunday, idiot. He, she didn't say idiot, but I mean, yeah, she implied that. Yeah, she's like, and he he tried to be snarky. He's like, well, last I checked, uh, Friday comes right after Thursday. 
no shit, Sherlock is basically what she just said. <laughs> and it's like it's Sunday, so and she's like, and he's like, wait, what? No, what? And so she hangs up on like, don't ever call me again. And and he asks the the maitre d like, hey, what's today? And he tells them it's Sunday, and he's like, has this sad moment, this epiphany that again he lost track of time, like he doesn't know what happened and to the point where he's like you know what and she and he's like we're closing the kitchen now shortly you want anything and he's like mr vegan's like give me a steak and the best conversation about steak ensues this is totally a per this is the kind of conversation a person who's never eaten who doesn't typically eat meat would have about ordering a steak for the first time like give me the you know, what kind of steak would you like uh the finest cut of the steak yes the best bit of the, steak. the best bit the best bit. Like How would you like it? Good. Good. Yes. Yeah. Good. 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 So well done. Okay. Which is such an odd thing to recommend if you hear someone say it's good. I want you, I, I believe, I interpret that as delicious. And I'm sorry, as a person who grew up not knowing how to eat steak, I grew up as a child who parents, mom in particular, cooked their steak well done. Same. Same. And now good. I'm like Same. medium. Yes. Immediately. Yes. I did not know steak and, was not supposed to taste like a leather boot until And when my older. husband when my husband orders his steak well, I'm like, please butterfly it for him. Like I will specifically <laughs> ask for them to butterfly the steak if he's yes. ordering it well. Absolutely. So yes, for all you people out there, this is no insult to you who enjoy well done steak, but there is an option out there that you you please you have to try. And I don't think steak was intended to be that dead. So, you know, or yeah, anyway, that was it was just a funny interaction. I loved it. It was one of the one of my favorite <laughs> scenes of the whole thing and stuff. And so he he got his steak. He ate it. He ended up going home and, you know, he was eating his uh, chocolate candies that he bought for her. You know, he bought flowers and threw those away talking to his mom uh, about how note. she'll love her. Yeah. Oh, my oh yeah. Can't it's wait so to bring bizarre. her over. You'll love her as he throws away the flowers and stuff. And then he decided, you know, I'm going to feed Gus some of my chocolate sprinkles, which in my head, I'm thinking, and I know this is true for dogs. You don't feed dogs chocolate. But I was like, aren't you going to kill your fish? You can't feed fish chocolate. I don't you know can't if feed you can. fish sugar. I don't, I don't know if that's to be true. I just assume. I'm like the, the, the animal fish rights don't create person. Insulin, do they? I don't, yeah, I don't know if he just killed his fish. He's like, you want some of this? And he poured the spr- candy sprinkles in the, in the sprinkles. fish tank. Hopefully so, well, the fish didn't really enough to eat, eat it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I actually, I probably should have went and looked that up because I was, I was very uh, anxious <laughs> as I was watching that. I was like, um, can you feed fish? Listen, <laughs> he didn't want Gus anymore anyways. He had two fins. True. That's right. Yeah. He did give up. He, he was suspicious of that fish. <laughs> that was not the original OG Gus. So. And which is right, which again, I also think Mark swapped the fish. Something mm-hmm. happened that we're going to see with Mark Spector that caused, yeah, you know, he kills uh, poor Steven's fish. He goes to the pet store real quick <laughs> in between his missions somehow yeah, and buys a replacement that. fish and replaces it. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I hope yep. we get to see that scene. <laughs> I, I hope it's not one of those uh, Morbius rides a jet ski that we never get to see. I want to see Morbius, that scene. Yeah. So. Yeah, Mobius. Yeah, I say Morbius. Yeah, you yeah. did say Morbius. So wrong, 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 okay. wrong movie. That's <laughs> so. <laughs> so yeah. So why he's sulking and stuff? He noticed that his uh, table was moved, 
and that which was odd and so he kind of you know he flips up the mat and he sees the groove lines and so he pushes the table back and looks up and sees that there's some paneling like which is set up situated weird so he hops on the table and looks in the paneling he noticed that uh there's a cell phone and something else um i don't remember what it was was, uh-huh. was it the artifact or was it just a cell phone the only thing i remember is the cell phone right now I yeah same remember. here so he pulls out the cell phone you know and he scrolls through and sees a list of missed calls from this uh, uh layla person and one missed call from duchamp uh duchamp and so then the phone rings he because he turned it on he was looking through it and he picks up the phone's like hello and the girl seemed relieved that the person answered. It's like, I've been trying to contact you for, was it months or weeks? Uh, months, I believe, I, think. I believe it was months. Yeah. I was trying to contact you for she months. She says like, months. Yeah. yeah. And he's like, well, I'm just trying to figure out what's going on and stuff. Like, he's like, and she's like, what are you talking about, Mark? Like, he's like, who's Mark? Like, who's in? And then you hear kind of a disconnect and the phone is dead. Um, he's starting to have a freak out a little bit. And I think this happens when he starts realizing there's something else going on besides his uh, uh, walking in his sleep. I think this is where Mark kind of steps in that personality because, you know, he starts mm-hmm. to freak out and he hears a voice and he hears Mark's voice call him like Steven, Steven, like Steve. And he goes to the bathroom. It's like, all right, who's playing a joke on me? Huh? And he looks in the bathroom and it's dark and it's just no one in there. And he sees kind of, which I love the fact that it's kind of like that um, in your in your purview, you see something, but you're not sure if it moved. We got that with the mirror experience. Like he looked peripheral at the mirror, vision, the peripheral. We got that with him in the mirror. It's like, did and he was like, did I did I move? Like, did is that me? And so he was looking in the mirror, and it was him, but it wasn't him. It was Mark talking to him, saying, "Don't do this. Don't don't put it. You know, just put the stuff back. Just." You know, basically go back to being Steven. Don't un don't jump down this rabbit hole and stuff. And then the earth there's a big earthquake, or you know, at least Steven's world starts to unra- unravel. That's what I I took that as. And so he runs out of his apartment um, through this dark hallway to the elevator, trying to get to the ground floor. And he's hearing uh, voices and stuff. He hears Conchu. Uh, and he gets down to the third floor, I believe. And you see, he sees Conchu starts coming towards him, you know, like just the big, dark, mummy, uh, bird looking, uh, bird beak looking figure coming towards him with a cane. And he gets right to the elevator door, grabs it, and then turns into the old lady. And he's on the ground cowering. And then the old lady looks at him like, uh, okay, weirdo. He's like, oh, I'm just looking for my contacts or, you know, it's like, oh. <laughs> Oh, okay. And she's scared as hell because <laughs> he's beating, you know, because Steve's behind him and she gets off on the back on the fifth floor okay. where Steve is. And she's like, immediately gets out of the elevator, start knock, knocking on the first door she can. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, my friend's expecting me. Knock, knock, knock. Friend. And he's like, uh, yeah, okay. And then next we know, um, Conchu is in the elevator with him and then he wakes up and he's on the bus. Cutscene <laughs> to that. Don't know how he gets there. And in the daytime, too, you see the bus go by and you see Conchu. There's a flash picture of Conchu just standing there on the sidewalk. And then he uh, through one uh, uh, window pane and then through the very next window pane, 
he's gone. So it was really quick. It was a flash. Um, so yeah, he shows up to the, um, oh yeah. So when he gets off the bus, he turns and looks and he sees Arthur Harrow. So he freaks out, runs into his, um, runs into his job, talks to the uh, security guard who keeps calling him Scotty because I don't know why, um, but he doesn't care that his name is Steven. So he's like, whatever, but you know, it's like, Hey, um, there's this guy who's been chasing me or whatever and stuff. You can't do not let anyone in in in, in the museum. And he looks at him and's like, "Yeah, that's it's yeah. We I can't keep people out of the museum." It's like just don't let just don't let any unsavory characters. And he's like, "It's free to come to the museum. I don't know what you want me to do." Like you know, so he you know, so he ends up just kind of uh, oh, his boss lady comes by and is like, "Oh, you're late for work." Blah blah blah. I need you to you're doing inventory again. That's her. That's like her number one punishment. You know, I think she's just lazy. She's supposed to do inventory, but you're doing inventory again and tries to give him a box of stuff. And, and also there's a, oh, okay. We'll talk about that later. So uh, he sees Arthur Harrell. And so he's like, hold on one sec, hold on. And so he goes over to him, confronts him. And then he, and Arthur, you know, says, well, you know, you told me your name was Steven and you're this guy that works in the museum. You know, funny to find out that that's true. You know, it's that you are this weird little, you know, you're not the mercenary who I called you out to be. You're just a guy who works in the gift shop. And so he starts doing his little uh, little thing with him talking about the goddess, uh, you know, Emmett, who is right there on, on one of the columns and stuff and talks about how, you know, uh, you know, giving them the spill and everything. And then uh, grabs him and is like, hey, let's read your soul. Let's read your, you know, so he gives he puts the crocodile uh, cane on him and there's chaos within you yes i love that part because <laughs> that well that reminds me of the rubik's cube you know the unsolved chaos and stuff you know it's all it's not resolved so he started weighing uh weighing um his heart and the scales would not it kept vibrating back and forth it would not settle and so that's where he's like oh my god there's chaos in you you know he was shocked just as much as the other one and he mentioned about the avatar as well too. So, um, so with that, he um, uh, Stephen ran away, and oh, he went to go try to get help from the security guard. Security guard lifts up his sleeves and realizes you know, like he's a part of this cult. And then he goes the other way, and then these other people come forward and they pull up their sleeves to show their tattoo, their markings, and like, yeah, we're all part of this cult, dude. And so I think um how does it go because he ends up in he's doing inventory right because i think it cuts like he he either blacks out or something happens because he's cause i remember it's nighttime at the museum and there's janitors mopping the floor and he is still there yeah so he she told him he had to stay and do inventory correct but i don't know how that scene ended with harrow I don't remember how that scene ended. Like if it uh, the door opened up, yeah, the door opened up and he ran through it like into the museum, and then okay. I think he kind of just like went about his day. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, I think you're right because it didn't really show any kind of weird. That's what they showed us. So. Yeah, that's what they, that's what we saw. So <laughs> he's going about his day, and this is nighttime. Obviously, the museum's closed. The people are gone. Their cleaning crew are cleaning up and stuff. And he starts, uh, as he's kind of packing stuff up, he starts to 
hear this weird whimpering dog sounds and stuff <laughs> and he kind of walks he manners throughout the uh, exhibits and stuff and and he kind of gets this weird eerie like ghost which this is the part was was really well made i thought this was the nice little horror added to it and stuff but you get the shadowy figures and stuff the glowing eyes and the big uh the creatures. yes the egyptian jackal and stuff um who you know who serves Amit, and you hear arthur harrow comes over the loudspeaker saying hey just give us back the artifact and i promise you know i won't have my hounds kind of rip your flesh apart or you know eat you or whatever and stuff and he's Steven doesn't know what's going on, doesn't know why, you know, anything. He's he's not sure what's what's happening. And so he sees one of the hounds, and so he runs and goes, hides, and he throws his bag, and the hounds like jumps on it like a like a freaking vicious dog and rips his backpack apart. So he just starts running and running, and and this is where we get the chase, you know, the the, the demon jackals and stuff, and they ends up chasing them into the bathroom. And this is the part where we see. Um, uh, Steve is uh, in, you know, in the bathroom, full of mirrors on both sides, and you see the three. You see three versions of of Steve, um, and then one of them quickly turns to him and says, "Hey, you know, you know, you know, I'm, you know, he's like Mark. Mark is talking to him. He's like, hey, you need to give me um control. You need to, you know, trust me. Like, hey, Steve, get a hold of you. And Steve is having the freak out moment. He's like, that was like my scene. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was, was my favorite scene. Mm-hmm. It's like, you're not real. You're not, I'm not, I'm, he's hitting himself. He's trying to make himself snap out of it. He's like, you're not real. He's like, listen to me. If you want to survive, you need to give me control. He's going over, like, he's having a full on existential crisis moment. Like, he's having a battle within himself. And Steve will not believe. Uh, this is Mark, and Mark finally is like, "Hey, listen to me. The only way we're getting out of this is if you give me control. Period. You want to live? Do that." So Mark just finally—not Mark. I'm sorry, Steve's just finally just yielded. He, you see his eyes kind of roll back, and it does a little um, motion. And then at the time, we see we hear the door gets busted open, and next thing we know, we see the cutscene where the the jackal jumps Stephen. And we hear we're now there's a, a picture of outside the bathroom. We hear a brawl going on and everything else. Uh, we see a sink flies out the bathroom uh, door. And then we see the jackal trying to run away and he's being dragged back into the bathroom and stuff. And then we get the most awesome epic shot ever. We see Moon Knight for the first time beating the crap out of this demon jackal killing it you know bloody and everything as he kind of turns his eyes glows he's walks walks out and then that's the end of the scene and i'm like yes oh my god this is going to be a great series from here on out so yeah that's that's that was the first episode so i know we're a little over an hour but i don't um, care i could listen to you talk all day I'm I'm just su- I'm super excited and stuff and so there was some and there's some Easter eggs that I actually found from online that I haven't really verified yet but I but it's they tend to be true so if you don't mind I want to kind of go over that with you guys real quick yeah. so w- yeah. one of them was and I don't know if you guys found this but there's a QR code that's inside a museum um it's on the wall where the uh, gift shop is you can actually scan that with your phone. 
And if you do that, it takes you to a Marvel page where you can get a free uh, digital copy of Moon Knight. You get, oh. uh, I believe it's the uh, were, uh, uh, the werewolf one. So that is cool in itself. I haven't done it That's yet. That's cool. But I looked at it. It's a proven history. Many people have done it. I was like, oh, wow. That's pretty cool. So um, also, here's, oh, I'm sorry. There was two. There's a, Here's the other Easter egg that other people missed. Uh, while he was doing inventory, uh, no, nope, I already said the picture of Bass. So that's the Wakandan god that was on the wall. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Steve was running late for work, chasing the bus, running past the Atlantis. Atlantis. So those are three Easter eggs I found was the Atlantis sign that Sam missed. It was a big glaring sign that said <laughs> Atlantis. It's, I mean, it could have had neon light. So to be fair, <laughs> it, it could have been more glowing and prominent and stuff. So, but yeah, that's, I mean, that's pretty much it and stuff. Like, I, I really hope we get to see Mark's side of things, like Brianna mentioned, because I think that would be a really cool little perspective and stuff. And the fact that I also, it would, it would either prove or disprove my theory that Mark was dead when he fell out that window or he came out that window. Cause the window, if you go back and watch it, when the guy, the henchman that weighs at him, he, there's broken glass around him. So something <laughs> went through that window. So, Pretty sure it was Mark and his dead, brutally disfigured body. So, yeah, that I, makes I so like much I sense. Hog. I never thought of that, like him dying and bringing him back. That makes yeah. so much more sense. <laughs> yeah, he got resurrected. Yeah, um, and that was something that we talked about when we did that preview show with um, Disney Universe. Is we talked about how he chooses when he can resurrect him. Mm-hmm. And there does come a point where he stops allowing him to have some of his abilities because he is just the avatar. He can't Mm -hmm. do anything that Kantu doesn't want him to. So, so Moon Knight is his own separate, you know, thing, but only Mark is the one who made the deal and Mark is the dominant personality. And so it's, like I said, it's the Bruce Banner, incredible Hulk. If you think of it that way, as the show progresses, I think it'll make a little bit more sense and stuff like, so Mark does have all these fractured or, you know, he does have the disassociative identity disorder, but um, the, the, the primary um, identity is Mark and Mark is the only one that can trigger the avatar when it's needed. That's why he wasn't saying, Hey Steve, you know, there's an avatar in you moon Knight. He's a badass trigger. You know, you need to believe in him. He's like, no, turn your body over to me. I will activate, you know, it's like, you know, Bruce Banner's like, I will activate the Hulk, you know, cause I'm always angry, you know? So it's kind of, so think of it in those terms and it would be a little bit easier and stuff to, to, as it, as the show goes on. So I'm excited. I can't wait. I can't wait for episode two. So there's so many different plot twists that they can take that. I don't even know. I don't and even I, know where they're going to go. Yeah. I don't even know. So here's so I do want to amend one of my predictions because I did make a prediction on who we may see in the series, and I said we might see Blade. There's still there's still that chance we may see Blade, um, but I'm gonna add uh, we might actually see the Black Knight uh, from Eternals. Uh, Blade did talk to him at the end, 
in London in his office and stuff when he was looking at the sword. Uh, I think we may show up. We may get some of the, the midnight crew and stuff. Um, you know, an Easter egg or two or some reference. Or maybe he bumps into Jon Snow in the street. I always call that guy Jon Snow. <laughs> Jon Snow. But yeah, who knows? Maybe he's just frequenting, you know, the, the museum, which doesn't so correct me if I'm wrong. I need to rewatch the Eternals, but doesn't the lady uh Cersei works in the museum? Wasn't they they were talking and she was uh, dusting off artifacts and stuff like that? So I you know, because when he had the conversation with Pip around mm-hmm. one of the and so I I wanna know and I need to verify if it's the same museum. Again, they said there's no ties. But how many Egyptian museums are in London? So true, but also like archaeologists in general. Yeah, she could have some connection to Marlene or Layla. Mm -hmm. Yep, possibly. So I'm I'm gonna go back and rewatch the Eternals uh, uh, probably this weekend and stuff after episode two, and just to see maybe there is another little tie-in that you know people are missing and stuff. So and I, I will pay it, better attention for Atlantis signs this time. You, you'll see it <laughs> definitely. So you're like, oh, there it is right there. Big sign. It says Atlantis. Oh, no, I see it. I see it now. I went back. I scrolled through and I found it um, <laughs> when you were talking about that scene. I was like, how did I miss that? And I was like, well, there's a tree there. So maybe that's how. But the I bass miss one is harder. Time. The bass one's harder to find, but it's right there. It, it talks about yeah. the, the hierarchy of the family tree of, of you know, the Ennead. So, yeah. And bass is one of the less lesser gods is kind of like the celestials hierarchy well he's talking about the Ennead, and he's like i fired she's like i fired two of them for being late and i was like yeah yeah thanks yeah. mm-hmm. I, I, right. I dislike her so much Jeez. she's an, she's annoying so i hope maybe right. moon knight comes and beats her like the oh maybe she was a jackal wow Maybe no. she was the jackal. Maybe she was a jackal, and she's dead now. So maybe you know. she's actually there to be like. Oh my god! So here, I'll tell you, Babe, being Grace, like his sidekick. Maybe, but here's the thing: I think if <laughs> like, she's no, a jackal, Sam. this is the only way she could be the jackal. The jackal in there. If he sh- Stephen shows up, because Stephen's gonna come back one of these episodes, and then she's replaced. Like, hey, what happened to? No, oh, she doesn't work here anymore. She's the jackal. I'm putting money on it. I'm I'm sticking with that. Because he killed her. Yeah, because he killed her. <laughs> She's dead. So. He alive, her. I think that's all we have for episode one. Do you guys have anything else? Nope. We I don't think long, that's it. I talked a lot, so I apologize for... No, David, I could literally no, listen to you talk all day. And so but, can our fans, because that's why yeah, you're but, the Blurred Hulk. So, but I have fun. I can't wait. It's going to be a cool roller coaster. We're going to come back next Monday and do this again with the next episode and stuff. And I'm excited to have Sam and Brianna uh, by my side as we watch and die, break down and digest and theorize what's going on with, with Moon Knight. So, yep. Facts. Yep. Yeah. It's going to be exciting. So, we'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us on the Marvel Tribe. Bye. Marvel Tribe. Bye. Peace out.